Hello, and welcome to the Burning Cold Theater's podcast series, Into the Fire with Jerome Davis. Jerome Davis, I'm the artistic director of Burning Coal Theater Company. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Into the Fire podcast series, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast on all things theatrical. Today, we have two designers representing four different design elements of our current production. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Ed Inselman and Kurt Pearson. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ed is designing scenery and lighting for the production that we're about to open on October 11th, running for three weeks through the 28th, and Kurt is designing sound and video for that same production. So, uh, Ed, uh, you're an old hand at Burning Bowl. I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are and how you got involved in design for the theater? Sure. Again, I'm Ed Intman. I am actually the resident lighting designer and teach lighting design at Cornell University. I actually got into design as a kid. My older brother was doing uh, doing theater in high school, and it sounded cool, so I started doing theater in high school and have never looked back and always managed to make a living at it. So I've been doing it for a long time now. Was he a, a technical theater person as well? He, he was. He, he worked in technical theater, and I think he did some acting, but I quickly learned I didn't want to be on stage. I enjoyed being backstage much more, and um, I've always sort of been a visual person and hopefully some sort of an artist. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I uh, did my undergraduate at University of Denver and then my graduate work at Cornell University went away for several years, taught in uh, University of South Carolina and at a university in Western Maryland and then came back to teach at Cornell. That's terrific and, uh, and you, you did work in North Carolina as well as I remember uh, yes, when I was teaching at the University of South Carolina, I spent a summer at the Flat Rock Playhouse in uh, near Asheville, and I also did a couple shows at Charlotte Repertory Theater back in the day. And Kirk, uh, you are also from west of the Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So I, I grew up in New York City, uh, went down to Ohio for about five years for college, uh, following that, I did this. Uh, I did a really crazy fellowship, which consisted of a year's worth of travel and research, in which I went to 22 countries, and pretty literally just got back from that on August 1st. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back on the East Coast again. <laughs> you and I talked a little bit about that. Uh, you, uh, you, you got a fellowship that, that's only requirement that you're out of the country for a year without stepping foot on American soil, and uh, the project to the foundation. Can you describe that for our listeners? It has very little to do with what we're talking about, uh, <laughs> but I think it's interesting to sort of start a digression from that. What was that project about? Well, um, so it, it was definitely a strange one. So the fellowship is run by, um, it was it was founded by the, uh, the IBM founder's son, Thomas J. Watson, but the fellowship is essentially you pitch the organization a crazy research proposal that involves a lot of travel, and then you know, if they like you, you get to do it. 
Um, and uh, my project was experimental musical instruments around the world. So looking for interesting, perhaps non-musical objects and finding out how, you know, we can use those to, you know, organize sound in new and exciting ways, I suppose. And, uh, but I mean, the fellowship is everything. There are people that research worker cooperatives and organ donation and noise pollution and everything. So uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because it doesn't directly parlay into what my job is for the show, but a lot of the, uh, the music and sound design for the show uh, was me working closely with the director to find uh, motivic sonic elements that work with each of the characters and finding ways to make those musical. So, for example, like uh, George Bush in our play, um, like has a theme that is composed out of uh, synthetically processed crickets and stuff like that. They're not necessarily sounds that you would pick up as an audience member, uh, but right. but it's interesting in that uh, I find when I listen to them, there are you know like, but it actually ties uh, ties the characters not only into this diegetic musical world, but one that actually occupies the world that they grew up in and you know the essence of their character in a sense. So it, it was a very fun process for me. Uh, and, you know, working with Lily and the director is always wonderful because she, you know, is great at giving a lot of creative control to the people that she trusts and uh, really let me do some fun stuff that I think uh, will really make a splash in a couple of days when we open. Well, that, uh, that might uh, bring an interesting uh, question to mind. When you're working on a play that is as steeped in realism and reality as, as the, the historical facts, feel compelled to do research on the individual characters or the events of the play, or how do you approach a, a text that's this much uh, based, on, based in recent history? I'll take it first. I'm definitely curious to hear Ed's answer. I think that's a very interesting question, because, um, I mean, I was born in 1994, so all of the, you know, all of the events of this play I was definitely alive and kicking during, but some, uh, some really required me to go back and research and, you know, really put together the puzzle pieces again, events that I do remember living through, but ones that now I can finally grasp the context of. And uh, I think uh, I think an interesting thing about that point is, yes, it is historical fact, but so much of this play deals with uh, um, a history of apprehension and a history of uncertainty. You know, the it, it's called the, the War on Terror. It was a war waged on a weird ideological construct. So in many ways, while we are dealing with the literal, we're dealing with a lot of giant question marks, um, and it's really fun to tease those out, that in many parts of this play, despite the fact that we are dealing with, you know, actual meetings that happened and actual invasions that, you know, that people died tragic deaths in, um, a lot of that was over terms that were very airy or even, you know, kind of dreamlike almost in a sense. So I think a fun part of my job for this play was being able to tease out those scenes in which uh, reality and hyper-reality uh, don't necessarily match up. Um, and so there are definitely sequences in this play where you're totally ripped out of the literal world and thrown into this just absolutely, you know, ludicrous and horrifying world that describes what so much of these characters were experiencing in the early 2000s. From a scenic perspective, the, the challenge of this play is that it moves very quickly all over the globe, all over, so there's no way you can, it's very cinematic in nature, so there's no way you can create the actual location. Um, which I also think would be a mistake to do so anyway, given kind of what Kurt said so eloquently, the, the metaphoric nature of it and the larger issues at stake that are facing us today and, and how those relate to us. So from a scenic element, uh, again, from that perspective, I certainly looked a lot at, uh, you know, the, the basis of this is the Oval Office. I think you'll recognize a, a small portion of it when you get to the theater. And, um, but I really, 
concentrated on is again this this culture of apprehension and this culture of public persona versus private persona. So you will see uh, a series of video streams because this is really the dawn of the early in the age where the mediated age where we get all of our information through media and media becomes pervasive and media becomes truth in some ways whether whether they're not is a truth behind that media so um, that's where the video streams which are a major element scenically came in and uh, that's where Kirk's other job came in as a video designer when you, uh, all of that relates to the, to the text, the raw text, uh, when you add into the mix the, the physical space that, that's being uh, performed in, you know, we're, we're converting our space essentially into a, a traverse uh, seating configuration, um, and I imagine that has something to do with how you would design the play, but the, the intimacy of the space, uh, the large designed several shows at Burning Coal, the first thing I always talk with the director about is what kind of configuration do they want the space to be. Um, that's one of the nice things about this space, it's very flexible. There are a lot of ways you can configure it and we pretty quickly settled on wanting this sort of what I call an alley staging with the seating pretty much on two sides of a long pathway. It tends to um, sort of emphasize the sense of conflict in this and also the sense of watching a, a literal tennis match in some ways. You're watching these people go at it with each other and try and maneuver around each other. So that was certainly um, a large part of the early decision. Beyond that, there's the just sort of the logistical concerns of fitting the seats, making sure everybody can see everything, and uh, working those sorts of ideas. And um, do the politics of it matter? Uh, I'm going to throw this open to both of you. Mm. The politics uh, of the play, uh, or or lack thereof, does that does that influence you at all, or does that is that something you have to control? Uh, you know, uh, I know that there are a lot of uh, a lot of people that feel like David David Hare is a lefty, uh, and, and I think. That personal writing would indicate that, but his playboy seemed very fair and balanced to me, and I just wonder, is that easier or harder in this influence to design at all? Again, from my perspective, I think what I really wanted to do was emphasize the arena and that this discussion is taking place, and hopefully the audience will come away engaging in that discussion in a more modern way in terms of what they're seeing right now and what their place in the political venue is right now. Um, I don't think for me that it was really a major, I, I didn't feel like I had to tone down to keep it less political or to make it more political. I really, again, in the scenery and in the lighting, am more was more giving the arena, giving the place where this all the, this discussion and uh, could happen. Do you find yourself uh wanting to, um, to comment on the, the politics of the story at all in the design or or no i'm just curious about i'm looking for a personal i mean i know what the what the professional answer is <laughs> personally do you, do you find yourself 
having to resist that urge, or do you give in to the urge, or does it exist at all? Do you want to take that, Kirk? Or uh, boy, this is a great question. It's really difficult to answer. I think. Uh, um, well, the pl this play is certainly the greatest sympathy I've ever felt towards George W. Bush, uh, uh, and I do think it's interesting in that David Hare, you know, uh, really does give a lot of the best, you know, zingers of the play to some of the people that are, I guess, most reviled uh, today. But I think, um, I think a thing that uh, I mean, I, I certainly was certainly going through my head was, uh, I mean, how completely terrifying this era was for absolutely everybody, and how what was the percentage? It was something like eighty percent of Americans supported the invasion of uh, of Iraq initially, um, and uh, that certainly comes through in the video design. I was kind of joking around with uh, Lillian yesterday that all of us in the design team really kind of independently uh, made this an incredibly, incredibly bleak play. It's. Uh, it's uh, I, I think it's wonderful to watch and uh, really fascinating in many regards, but it is very bleak, and I think that's very appropriate for the subject matter we're dealing with. Yeah. Not just in the yeah, regard of we're dealing with... Oh, sorry. It was a dark time, um, and, and I think uh, after 9-11, Bush could have got 80% of the people to support pretty much anything he did, mm -hmm. and, which in, in my opinion makes it all the worse that chose to, to invade a country that had nothing to do with the Of the world. 
which is, I mean, like, uh, you know, people did not take that well. But looking back on that, I, I very much understand what he's going for, that uh, these, you know, horrible people really <laughs> made an amazing iconographic image that summarized so much of the following, you know, 20 years of American foreign policy. On to today. And it's, it's, it's horrific, but good God, is that an amazing way to make a statement? Right. So, you know... So you're certainly trying to, trying to make something, make some sense out of a fictional fact, and I, I understand that too. Uh, uh, going back to uh, uh, the draw issue of the work that you do, uh, and let me switch back to you for a moment. You, you teach as well as to, uh, specific narratives and more attracted to, I guess, form. 
it's like form over content in many ways. Um, what's nice about this is we really do get to play around with the medium to actually make a lot of meta commentary on the media itself. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that especially right now is something that I feel like we kind of have an obligation to do um, as, as creatives in general. So uh, I, I don't know specifically uh, of which plays are, are on, my, uh, on my wish list, uh, but right. I certainly have a lot of ideas on fun ways to play with medium and uh, interesting people to work with. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with the idea of form also that um, I'm very interested in uh, the, the forms of theater and how they are changing because they are mm -hmm. changing in a, in a very mediated world just you know, the, the old adage is that theater is dying. First it was going to die when film came in, then it was going to die when television came in. Now it's going to die as the internet and streaming has come in. Um, I don't think it ever dies because there's a visceral human connection to live performance that um, is why I got into it and is quite wonderful. But I do think the forms change, and that's what's exciting to me. I, I work a lot with dance also and seeing how those change and how... Uh, how we engage in a, in a live environment is really exciting. Does, does it say anything about the human the type of form that we I'm not sure. I, 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 you know, I, I guess I would maybe flip that question yes, and say that the forms reflect the human condition. And some, in some ways, the forms we choose to engage in define us as the human condition. You know, one of the things that I feel, again, being the older generation from Kirk, is that I see the a disconnect that people have today with being always um, connected, always being on a media and in some ways su substituting that for personal connection, whether in relationships or certainly in how they engage with the world. You know, I would rather engage with seeing a real tree than seeing a video of a tree. Although seeing a video of a tree then gives us the opportunity to play with that form and to look at how we then view seeing the real tree. Exactly, and I think especially here, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, uh, you know, our world is incredibly mediated. We stare at screens for most of the day, and now you come to the theater, and you're looking at ten <laughs> screens, screens in the theater. Right. But, but I, I do believe, like, intrinsic to that is this kind of meta commentary that we've been teasing out for the entire production process. That, in this case, they, they literally are, there is a scene in this play where you're looking at a lot of trees on screens. Uh, but the fact that they are on screens is very integral to the to the entire point of the play. That the war on terror was a war that was fought for television. It was an incredibly high budget action movie, and it did right. an amazing, amazing job at that. And of course, as a consequence, thousands of people died. And I think being able to look at that from a from a present perspective in the Trump era, uh, going into the theater and staring at a television actually is a very good way to do that. Yeah. Well, guys, we have to limit the, the conversation today. Ed's got to get on a plane, head back. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye.